0: Interdisciplinary season five. I am Cal Cates, and uh, we have so much cool stuff going on this season, and particularly with today's guest. But I want to remind you before we dive in um, that this is our healthcare podcast where we uh, lift up each other's voices and, you know, do what we can to create a world that is unimaginably just and loving. And uh, make sure that you check out our patreon.com interdisciplinary for all the things that actually are mostly silly, certainly educational, but definitely uplifting. Um, and uh, that's just $5 a month. So go check that out. Uh, be sure to also check out the Heal Well community. It is community.healwell.org. And uh, we have all kinds of amazing conversations going on in there, things that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, we also, it's not too late to sign up for a year to live, which is a 12 month, uh, go as deep as you want course led by yours truly. And when I say led really, I just like sort of keep up some gentle guardrails and give you an opportunity to explore, uh, the ways that maybe you are uh, not as alive as you could be. So pretty exciting stuff there. And, uh, as always, we like to start with a little bit of uh pun esque humor and, uh, on note uh sort of in line with our guest today i i'm really glad to be back i uh have missed you the last couple episodes i had to check myself into the hokey pokey clinic but uh don't worry i turned myself around
1: because yeah. that's what it's all about
0: because that is what it is all about <laughs> uh so i will be joined today by uh Your friend and mine, Rebecca Sturgeon, the uh, producer and real boss of Most Things Heal Well, uh, and our fancy, fancy guest, Jen Brandle, who uh, in the fashion of all of our other guests will uh, tell us why she's so fancy and what we should know about all the things that Jen has done and written and thought. And we're just going to dive right in. Jen, welcome to the
2: show. Thank you. Um, Yeah, there's no pressure in that kind of an introduction. Mm -mm.
0: Uh, and I realize, I realize that I I don't actually know what pronouns
2: you use. I use she/her. Okay, excellent. Um, so my name is Jen Brandle and I am currently working as a psychotherapist. I also do training and consultation, um, and uh, most of my work really centers around um, mindfulness and humor and healthy sexuality, um, a lot of the work that I do, um, is kind of based and linked into, I'll call it kind of like a Buddhisty kind of a space, um, but if there's a lot of stuff just around, like, acceptance, um. But one of the things and I think this is going to be relevant to our conversation today is like a lot of it is also about really recognizing and like interrupting like the the impulse I think we all have to pathologize ourselves um, and to really recognize kind of the and, and mobilize the inner wisdom within us that often the things that we need to heal we already have. Um, but we either don't know that we have it or we've somehow along the way lost some access or direct connection to it. So I think that factors in a lot to the work that I do. Um, And then over the pandemic, while others were making sourdough bread, apparently I had decided I was uh, gonna go outside my comfort zone and finally uh, give voice to some projects that had been bopping around in my head. And I wrote two books, One is a little bit more like a booklet. (laughs) It's, it's purposefully very small and short, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about. It's called my crisis plan, what I need to get through the darkness. Um, And then there was a book that has been in my mind, honestly, now for 15 years. um, That is uh, a book that, that the vision was using metaphors, including like, especially paired with an image, um, that's just sort of like a simple, um, concise way of capturing what may be a really complex or kind of hard to verbalize experience, um, human experience um, that really can kind of, how we can use an image or a metaphor to help us not only articulate and join around a shared experience, but also even to find some relief or healing within ourselves around them. Um, And so um, I published a book called when rabbits spill their tea metaphors to guide us through difficult times. And that I'll be honest, my crisis plan was self published uh, and was, it was kind of quickly done because in the pandemic, I felt like there was such a need for it and so it was kind of like oh my god i need to pull it together and let's just put it together and it's sort of a small mini little project but (laughs) the um when rabbits spill their tea has been a longer time coming um and is probably the, the one i'm most excited about
0: awesome it's yeah well and i i can't wait to also um share with our guests, your silliness, um, in general, because that was a very sober introduction and very impressive. Um,
2: I've got, but it's I've a, got my professional cap on Cal.
0: Yeah. It was, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen her wear that hat. I mean, <laughs> it looks good and everything, but, um, yeah, well, and thank you for the, the hope that you just unwittingly instilled in those of us who have books percolating and who think, oh, I've been yes. thinking about this for so yes, long. Yes,
2: write them, get yeah. them out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great um
0: so well so let's because I think we're gonna we're gonna really play with um the rabbits and the tea um but talk to us a little bit about the the crisis plan and sort of um who who needs it and what does it do and like it's so tangible and sort of actionable which I think is um I love that it's not long because I think that's if you're in crisis you don't want a book that's so heavy and you don't want to read chapter
2: three and and, and then you'll feel better exactly no 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 right and and Cal, it came from, so as people, I think, know now, um, particularly if you're a healthcare provider, when when the pandemic hit, well, actually before the pandemic hit, we were all already in the middle of a mental health crisis. And so mental health providers were already, there was, well, I'm having no problem filling my caseload. I Plenty feel. of referrals. Yes. <laughs> um, the need is high. So Mm -hmm. that was before the pandemic, the pandemic sort of, um, really amplified the need that, and because it, 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 it compounded what was already a mental health crisis with conditions that are just brutal for somebody who's having a hard time. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it not only sort of generated new stressors for people to worry about new anxieties, but it also just took like our ability to kind of cope with just regular things we were dealing with anyway, were that much harder. Cause we're isolated from one another. We don't have access to the things that we usually use to cope. Well, you like to go for runs or go to the gym. Like, yeah, it's a pandemic. Like you can't do that very easily, you know, yeah. during that time. so, um, and so I think there was this kind of, we all know that humans in isolation do not fare well. And so yeah. I feel like we were all suddenly in these isolation chambers where like even just sensorily, like we yeah. like were not getting right. the stimulation and the contact and connection that we needed. So none of us were at our best. Yeah. Um, but what was also happening, at least for me as a therapist, was I felt like I was now being asked to do my job with more people, with more need, higher acuity, like more crisis. And I couldn't use probably about 70% of the tools I use. Yeah. Like, I felt like my hands are tied behind my back. And I can't connect the way I would want to connect. I can't Mm -hmm. share energy the way I would want to share energy. Like break isolation. Like I can't offer just comfort by my presence. Like, so all of a sudden it felt like I have to think of like a new way to do my job. Yeah. And so during that time, what I was very conscious of was the model that says when someone is in distress, the only way for them to get through it is they need an expert or a professional to get them through it. We right. got to figure out something else because yeah. like, people do not have access to professionals in the way that they're going to need it. And it can't, it can, the picture cannot be that grim. Right. <laughs> hey, well, you're,
0: fucked. yes, uh, <laughs> that, you're out of it cannot luck.
2: Be that. <laughs> so, so I started to think about, I think that it's really easy for us as mental health professionals to get locked into this idea of we have what it needs, what, what, what is required to help people be okay. And when I turned that and I said, okay, what if all my clients have what they need to be okay? What yeah. if they have what they need right. to feel comfort? What if they have what they need to feel soothed? What if they have what they need to get calmed down or manage a panic attack or find some sense of hope or write out a tough night? What if they already have that? Yeah. And so, so remotely I'm in session with them, but what I'm offering them is like, how do we uncover and evoke that in you? So even if I'm not in the room with me, you don't need me, right. Like, right. you can do it, right? Yes. Right. Yes. right? Because that's not only going to help you, it's going to help me do my job. Like it's right. going to help me not lose my mind and feel like I'm running myself into the ground in totally. this impossible
0: task. Yeah.
2: So so I had been hearing just from so many colleagues who were like throwing up their hands going like, I don't know what to do. I feel ineffective. I feel like I can't offer there's like so much need and I can't meet it. And I'm like, there's got to be a way. And so I thought there's got to be a way, a tool that people can use when they are in distress that does three things. (laughs) One, I believe people have the ability to differentiate when they are in distress and experiencing like just difficult emotions. And when they are in crisis, like I am not in control of myself and cannot stay safe. I believe people have the ability to know the difference. So one was I wanted people to be able to mobilize that differentiation because that was going to determine, okay, I, I may actually need a professional. <laughs> like this may be one of those situations <laughs> that just doing a little meditation or running myself through a visualization is not sufficient. Yeah. Like I need something more, like I'm not okay. Okay. Um, I believe that that each of us can make that distinction mm-hmm. um, and I believe we have the ability to mobilize grounding and coping tools within ourselves. And I believe there are things we sometimes need to remind ourselves of or tell ourselves like ways we talk to ourselves through something that are going to help us regulate our emotion, calm ourselves, find some grounding and help us ride something out. So I was like, that's what I want. <laughs> I was like, yes. I don't want a book about crisis management. I don't right. want to hear, do this workbook, fill out this sheet. I don't. I don't want something that requires a huge amount of time or read these chapters or let's do a whole bunch of sessions of practicing these different like mindfulness techniques. I didn't. I want quick, fast. When you yeah. feel like you're in crisis. This is an
0: inhaler. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I mean. Right. What a great metaphor! That's going to be in my second book that I write. With that. Awesome! <laughs> I will be stealing that from you. Um, Excellent! But right, you want something quick. You want something quick and simple. And when we're in crisis, we're in our amygdala. So we're we're back in our fight or flight reptile brain. We we don't all the thinking and analysis and tools, all the coping skills we build, right? they're, they're in the a, front. They're in the front. They're <laughs> in the prefrontal cortex, and it's offline when yeah. we are in high distress so mm-hmm. it's just not kind to expect we can access that when we're in distress right so the yeah. idea was is there a way to shortcut let me have it in front of me I want it concrete yeah so the booklet and it is super thin <laughs> it is you don't have to re- this is just and it it's meant to be small and thin it is meant to be so short you can photocopy it I don't care if you give it to other people it is meant to be something you can scan into your phone. And Yes. What out. Yes. Like you, I don't care what you, it is super short and small. Okay. And the whole thing is you're filling out and answering the questions for yourself, preferably before you're in crisis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'll be really honest with you. Let's say you don't say you're all of a sudden, like I'm freaking out and somebody handed you this book. It's still going to be helpful. Yeah, to be helpful, mm-hmm. but if you can do it beforehand, what you're setting up for yourself is the really the just the baseline, super basic. What do I need to remember? And so it's set up really clearly, like at the very beginning, first page resource list crisis hotlines
0: yeah for real <laughs> yeah as far as you yes. get <laughs> yes right
2: if that's where you're at far as you get you don't have to flip through and find it it's not at the back that's in right. the resource list no no no, no. it's that open it's, the right it's right, right. there right you want to, you can tear off the front cover you don't right. even have but, to open it. right like make it as simple as possible for you totally. to get that information okay yes um there's some guidance around like the idea of like the why the book and how to use it But then it jumps right into, here are questions. I'm just going to run through these questions for myself and tick them off. Is this distress? Mm -hmm. Is this a crisis? Yeah. I don't have to like do a giant analysis. I'm ticking off boxes and I'm going, and it's going to lead me through of like, if you ticked off a bunch of boxes here, you probably do need to call somebody, use a hotline, go to the ER, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. You may be unsafe.
2: Exactly. You may be yeah. like you mm-hmm. just may be in a place where you cannot do what you need to do for yourself. Right. 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 Um if, if you tick these off and you're like, no, well, I'm actually okay. I just feel like shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm having a hard time. Like, I don't think I can sleep and I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. well, now you know you you can do this. Like, it's yeah. okay. You can do this. Um, then it goes into who do I call? Yeah. You write it in. Like. Mm-hmm. Who are people I might need to call, have their numbers in here. Don't have to look it up. Don't even look at right. your phone. Have right. It right it's right there. A backup number. Like, so that's like you fill that in. Yeah. And then just to shortcut it, throughout the book are these little one page they can write right in it. Um, you know, are there reminders for yourself? And I give them prompts. If you don't know of any, I'm going to share some with you. These are helping uh-huh. me. <laughs> These are right. Yes. Up, right? Yes. Like being able to say I'm a part of something bigger than myself.
0: Everything,
2: yeah. including my pain is temporary. Like things like that. Things that are like, those are helpful reminders. Right? Definitely. So, and there's a lot of space Write out yours. Are there, quotes? Yeah. are there things that you want to remember? Um, And then the rest of the book is all structured on the idea that our experiences are made up of thoughts and feelings and then our body's reaction and sensations, okay? And that if we can affect any point on the triangle, the others will also calm. So what's nice about that is if you're running through your head with all these worried, anxious, catastrophic thoughts and you're like, okay, let me try some strategies to change you know, like my thought. And you're like, I can't fucking do it. Like the thought mm-hmm. is so strong and insistent. Yeah. Let it go. Then shift to another point on the triangle. Let it go. Don't, don't even bother with the thought. Yeah. Let the thought be there. We're going to shift instead to like emotion and like, okay, I'm freaking out and I'm feeling afraid. What do I do when I'm afraid? What mm-hmm. soothes me when I'm afraid? And it's real like basic. We go primitive, go real basic, like five yeah. senses when you were a baby, <laughs> like take a little inventory, like uh-huh. It. it you know, are there smells, sights, certain pieces of clothing, like really basic. Um, there are other things about it. There's certain kinds of touch or phrases, or there's certain people, like whatever it might be. Um, but like reminding people, give that a shot. Then let's yeah. say people are like, no, I'm having these terrible catastrophic thoughts and I'm freaking out and feel super afraid. And no matter what I'm doing, nothing's working. Let it go. Let yeah. It go. Fine, you're still all right. Go to your body where you feel the tension in your body what helps you feel grounded? Do you need to lay totally on the floor flat so you can feel your body entirely in touch with the ground? Do it. Like yeah. you, or is there a way that you touch your, yourself? Do you stroke your arm? You know, do you like touch the side of your face? Like, but really thinking about what are grounding things that you can do? Do you need to get up and do 10 jumping jacks? Do you feel like you need to move your body or do you mm-hmm. need to be like wrapped up tightly in a blanket? Yeah. And so the book gives suggestions. If you can't think your frontal cortex is offline, no problem. I got you. Here's some things. Right. <laughs> right. But it gives space in each section for them to fill in. Here's personally mine. Here's the stuff that helps me. So the whole yeah. rest of the book kind of walks through some different strategies around each of those points on the triangle. Yeah. And then there's room in the back that's kind of like, here's some inspirational quotes. Here's some books that might be helpful. Here's some blank pages that you could just fill in of like things you might want to remember. That's it. Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like it's like file under yet another thing we make harder than it has to be. Yeah. You know, that like the book is like, it's,
2: it really is this basic. And like, yeah. yeah. And I think what I've gotten, the feedback I've gotten from people who use it, is it's accessible. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, and you know, even once they have it, they're like, I don't have to flip through. Oh, where was that? No, it's very easy to use, very easy to find. The process of filling out and answering the questions, sometimes it feels like a a helpful thing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, And it has been something that people have shared with other people. So they're like, let me fill this out and I'm going to give it to my therapist. You know, I'm going to give it to my partner. I'm going to mm-hmm. share a copy of it. I'm going to photocopy it. I'm going to share a copy with my best friend. And then when I'm freaking out and I call my best friend and I'm like, I'm freaking out. They're going to pull it up and go, remember you said you needed me to say this. Do you remember? You said, are you sitting on the floor? Cause you said sitting on the floor helps you. <laughs> uh-huh. you know I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. And what that does is take the, the sort of focus off of I need this professional resource to be okay, and instead it becomes, oh wait, I have got the tools to be okay, and I've got community tools yeah. to be okay. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that's accessible to me. Yeah, no matter yeah. what, what pandemic, blizzard, <laughs> it doesn't
0: Absolutely. matter. Absolutely, you're yeah.
2: traveling, you're not at home, you're locked out, standing on your front porch. It doesn't matter. Those things are available to you anytime.
1: Yeah. Um. So I love the community aspect of this, that that it can take away like the fear for your loved ones of being like, oh, my person's hurting. I'm going to say the wrong thing. So
2: I'll just do nothing.
1: That's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's beautiful.
2: And the, can I just jump in, Cal, and say, please? Like, when I came up with this idea, I when I was sharing it with some friends and colleagues, one of the things I kept saying was like, I'm not interested in making money off this. Like, I want to be really clear. This is something that should just be out there. I right. Want- And I searched and I Googled and I was like, I could find, I could find like photocopy sheets that like, if you went to a residential program, they share of like, that had pieces of it or I found like books about crisis and coping skills. And they were like work thick workbooks or like more like books for therapists, you know? So when I found it wasn't there, I was like, screw it, I'm doing it. And so I put it together and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this up on Amazon, which I don't love. <laughs> I don't, but yeah. Okay. They they make it real hard to do anything else. Well, right. and <laughs> in terms of if, like you want to publish something get it out there super fast, it's yeah. tough. It's yep. tough to like yeah. but anyway. Um I'm like I'm going to put it up there and there's certain sort of bounds of like how you price it. I'm like, what's the smallest? Yeah.
0: How affordable can I make it? Yes.
2: Like, I understand there's paper involved. Right. (laughs) How small can I make it? And they, and Amazon told me $5 and 50 cents. Okay. And what I said was, is okay. Every purchase, every bit of profit that I make goes directly to the national suicide prevention lifeline. Nice. So everything goes to the lifeline. So since I put it out there, which was right at the beginning of the pandemic, I just regularly get a statement that says, this is how many copies sold, and this is how much has been made. And then I get online and put that over there. That's awesome. I also donated copies of the book. I sent out sort of packets of the book to many i don't want to say all because god knows it's boston there's so many colleges and universities many right. many of the colleges and universities in the area they their college counseling centers uh-huh. um, as well as like hotlines like trevor project um, nice. um where i was just like just take these
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah
2: photocopy make them available them away, share them i don't care like
1: scan yeah. them
2: i don't care like i just want it out there so people have it as a tool nice. So, uh, so many things you said uh, have obviously raised additional
0: questions. And I love the, I love the Buddhisty approach because I I feel like, you know, I think there are a lot of us who, you know, like people will say, well, are you Buddhist? And I'm like, I don't actually even know what the rules are, but I I definitely like, there's a lot of wisdom in, in what you would call Buddhist philosophy. And, and I, I feel, and of course, I bet everybody who has some sort of quote, belief system believes this is true, but it's it's tough to argue with buddhism because it's basically like we have no control we you know like what's here is here and you don't change it by hating it and like these things that when people
2: can say it's hard to say that's not true it is you might be able to say yeah i'm not ready to accept not a fan of that right Right. (laughs) definitely (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, and I wonder, so, you know, I feel like one of the things that happened to me during what we'll call the pandemic as though it's over or like it was a discrete period of time, but let's just say that that's the thing because we know what we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, we were talking about how humans don't do well in isolation. And as I guess a, a sometimes pedantic quasi-Buddhist, a part of me watched people for the first time experience aloneness and yes. freak out. And that like, when I think myself about how nourishing isolation has been for me, if, you know, I would, I would never call like a meditation retreat isolation, but that is what it is. And Mm I, I feel like so much of what was hard about that initial, let's call it six months. I mean, it's still carrying on for some people, but is that the perspective was that like, I'm not choosing this isolation and that the, the resistance of I'm being pushed into being Separate mm-hmm. added a level right. of like, I don't feeling, you know, and really we, feeling
2: trapped. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we don't, yeah. you know, most of us don't like, I'm people that I love dearly are like, why would you go and be silent for nine days or six days or like, who does that? And the idea that n- most of us don't have practice being away from the things that help oh. us feel safe and mirror back to us who we are and that kind of stuff.
2: That's right. And I think I love how you're saying it. Um, I think that what I would add to what you said was, and this sounds super Buddhist y. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Somewhere Pema Chodron is going, yes. Yes. Well done, Grasshopper. (laughs) Yes. Um, But what people are often surprised by, especially in Western culture, is that through our aloneness if done skillfully that's when we feel connected yes so so it's not just i'm going to sit in a room and i'm going to meditate and i'm by myself with my thoughts it's that when i can accept fully what it means to be a human, what it means to have a human experience, what it means to have human emotions, what a human brain is doing up there, the mess of that, right? When I can accept that and I don't resist it, what is actually revealed to me is like, God, everybody feels like this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we're all of a sudden like, oh, it's not me. This is we like yes is what it is to be a human this is universal this is I can picture whatever I'm going through whatever I'm struggling with if people were going to hold up lighters on the globe right now it'd be all lit up there's tons totally. of people that going through the same thing so yes. that's hard because we don't teach that yeah. in western culture we, and right. so so it's just a kind of a foreign concept that aloneness is where we find connection it sounds like a riddle you know
0: right <laughs> yes exactly yeah form is nothingness nothingness is form right People whole, are like, yeah are no about? Oh, exactly. wait isn't
1: that isn't that how you tell if something is buddhisty if it sounds like
2: a riddle that
0: that's thing. right <laughs> <laughs> totally so it makes you scrunch up your face yeah um,
2: <laughs> you should create a game that's like which of these is a buddhist like you know, <laughs> totally and which, of these, and which of these is a, a, a fortune from a fortune cookie <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely or cookie. that's right <laughs> totally oh <laughs> we'll be having another call about that soon yeah i sell some bonus content happening right <laughs> so you know this idea of in in our uh in our course that we teach called opening to the mystery one of the things we explore is intuition and i always bill intuition as you as your best resource and and the idea that you would be the first person you would ask about how to manage what's happening is so foreign and i love i love this idea that it's like no 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 like definitely if you need to call a hotline if you need to like do that and also did you ask yourself first what might be nourishing right now like what could i do to to manage this have your best friends have your therapist have your pharmaceutical interventions and right. also, like, start with you. <laughs> right. And
2: that's yeah. one of the things that's explicit in the booklet is, like, if you're not sure, give it a try. Try a few things. And yeah. if you're like, no, nope, then Mm-mm. go back to page one. Call the hotline. Go to the ER. Or call one of your emergency people. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But, like, it, at least you feel empowered. You don't feel without agency. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's interesting how much of systems would be disrupted. If people who are, you know, daily oppressed and put and held down in their lives were um told that no, you know stuff and can right. do stuff. And that's right. You yeah. have what you need. That's right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I feel like as a as a segue, that's one of the things that I like about um when rabbits spill their tea, because it 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 takes these like I love that they're just short, basically or, vignettes and the right. images really tie very well together with like, you're like, oh, I am throwing an increasingly large piece of meat to this giant tiger who now makes it so I can't leave my house. Like <laughs> <laughs> it started right. out so small and harmless and now I'm hamstrung by my own, what I thought were coping strategies. Yeah. Um, so you said that was percolating for a long time. Do, do you remember sort of the genesis of the idea for that or?
2: Yeah. So, um... And I can't say I'm, I I am going to be very clear. I don't think I invented the idea of using metaphor or images and work. I am sure that in my early development, both as a person and as a professional, that I probably was fed a bunch of these examples and really found them useful. But what I found was in my work as a therapist, this is what I do. Like the number over my entire career, the number of times I would have a conversation with a client and they would say, sometimes years after we ended, you know, it's always stuck with me that thing about the squirrel. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Sometimes I don't even remember what the metaphor meant, but if for them, and and this is why, and I say this in the book, they're they're often very co-created.
1: Yes. Right? Like yeah. a
2: client will say, ah, I don't know. It feels kind of like this. And then I'll grab that and go, tell me more about that. Like yes, use that image, use that picture. Tell me what's happening and what it's doing. What's the antidote to that. Right. Yeah. Like, but I think there's a way that just, it, I'm also just a visual thinker, like yeah. I think yeah. pictures. So I think that in, in all seriousness, the, my, my career is just racking up metaphors and several people have said to me over <laughs> the years you need to write those down and I was like oh yeah yeah I will at some point and then I even started writing them down and I wrote them down for 15 years <laughs> and I so sat silly. in like a folder in my bag you know like um but I think part of it selfishly came from that's what I want yeah like yeah. a bookstore if I'm in a bookstore and I'm like oh I wish there was something I could find I'm flipping through and I'm like give it to me quick I want yes, quick. Right. I want I want I read a couple sentences and immediately I go yes that. Yeah. I want to yeah. see a picture that goes, "Oh my god, that fits." Like give it to me quick. Um and that was the idea is I kept saying to people, what I wish was there was this book and I could picture it. And there's like pictures on one side and it lines up a, with a really short, brief description of something. And you, and, and if that one doesn't resonate for you and you're like, no, I've never really felt like then skip that one. But like, <laughs> I'm totally convinced that if it existed, yes, everyone professionals, it doesn't matter anybody, children, like I have kids who are you like it doesn't matter who you are it should be the sense of like if I flip it open does at least one of them you go oh that actually fits that is what it feels like or that actually helps because if I think about it like that then I know what I do
0: yeah yeah well yeah go ahead ahead.
1: well I was gonna say this thing that I know you've heard me say a lot is that we're made of stories and metaphors and like that's that's the quickest way into understanding of so many things like ourselves and the world and um like I had this metaphor story happened just this morning, If it those me for a second, that was like, oh, right, this is how we understand each other. So my partner's from Brunswick, Georgia, made famous because that's where Ahmaud Arbery was, I'm gonna use the word lynched.
0: Um, yes, fair, and accurate.
1: <laughs> and we were reading this article about Brunswick, Georgia and people, residents who were talking about how things have changed and the verdict and things are starting to change. And I said to him, okay, so you're from there. Do you believe that? And you know, I'm not from that part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, our experiences are very, vastly different in that way. But it, it was like because we communicate in metaphor. He said he looked at me and he said, "Okay, so I'm going to answer you this way." Has the Catholic Church changed? Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, right, I get it." Yeah, yeah. There was absolutely we go. get okay, it quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Like that's like that's a way of understanding each other and building community.
2: Well, and Rebecca, I love how you said it. Like we're all made up of our whole sense of ourselves and the world is made up of stories. And certainly back to the previous conversation, that's also how we connect. Through the ages, that's how we've connected. We've shared stories. And so that's where like, if you can take that kind of amorphous, just pain, or the confusion of something, right? Or shame. God, how do you explain shame, right? right? You can take something like that that's really hard to articulate and find a story or an image or a picture to capture it. All of a sudden, not only are you understood better, but you feel connected. Somebody goes, Oh, yeah, I know, right? I mean, just you're, yeah. you, you did it, Rebecca. Like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's totally that's connection. Yeah.
0: Well, so I'm curious about the, this, obviously this, this feels to me indisputable, this stories and metaphors that we tell. And you had talked in the beginning about the ways that we, um, the ways we pathologize ourselves. And that part of the story that we tell is this, um, we're having this really active discussion right now in, in the Hillwell community about, um, there was an article in, I can't remember the outlet now. Do you remember what it was? Uh, the trauma one? Yeah. The New Yorker the New Yorker. And it was, it's a pretty lengthy article. And this person, uh, the author explores how trauma has been sort of fictionalized over time and how the trauma storyline is like, is the hook. And that increasingly in, in the modern world, it's, it's like a cheap way to add depth to a character. And that, you know, Mm -hmm. you sort of like, you know, and, and the author talks about literature, like Virginia Woolf and some other authors who show you that a, a character has some things in their past that make them complex without telling you what the thing is. And that, you know, the, the debate we're sort of having in the community is, well, okay, so yes, fictionally speaking, like I'm they, the author talks about Ted Lasso, which I'm like, my I'm crossing my arms about even watching it because everyone thinks it's so great. And I'm like, no, I don't care. I'm not going to watch Ted Lasso. But I guess in the second season, some trauma in his history is revealed and yeah, this is supposed is. to, you know, make us make him more relatable, etc. And uh, my struggle is, is with the, like, I'm deeply grateful that we are becoming increasingly aware of the pervasive nature of trauma in the human experience mm-hmm. and that we're, we're lowering the bar, so to speak, in terms of what qualifies as trauma and that It doesn't have to be genocide or murder or, you know, sexual assault. Like we can be traumatized in many ways. And it also feels to me sometimes like there is this identity forming thing that happens for people when they can name their trauma. It's easy to stop there and to be like, oh, well, I'm a child of an alcoholic or I'm a survivor of blah, blah. And like that becomes this crystallizing piece and I don't know what my question is. I guess I'm just curious where, where do you fall? Cause I'm sure you are addressing and exploring trauma with your clients.
2: No, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And I think, I think the stuff that you're saying is super relevant and I think it links to the stuff that I mean, kind of, whether you've ever spoken to me or not, you probably are, you begin to get a sense. I hope that uh, a lot of what I'm about is trying to look at like power Uh huh. and Who gets power? Who's thought of of having power? That is really important. Yeah, and when when you think about trauma, our kind of colloquial association is often the opposite of power. Say more trauma that we think. If it was an association, I was going to hold up a word card. Trauma is going to be the majority of the time followed by victim. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? That right. What we associate is you had a terrible thing happen. You were not in control of it. You didn't pick it. You couldn't do anything about it. Like it's that there's, mm-hmm. it's not associated with something powerful.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
2: And so, you know, do we form connections and bonds? Do we relate to one another around our suffering? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's why <laughs> gossip is such a bonding thing, right? Like absolutely. Right. Right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, right, spend like 10 minutes in an office building for a second. All you're going to hear is people like bitching about so and so or something. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. just- yes. Right? Like Karen yeah yeah right <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> suffering yes it 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 because I think it's humanizing like it's like it is relatable. it is a way we have a shared experience. I think how you said it really nicely when you're like it's sort of the problem is when it stops there, yeah, because we're we're trauma it, the uh, trauma is incredibly powerful when you understand it in the context of resourcefulness and resiliency and agency,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a friend of mine who is a, a therapist uh, out in in the western part of the world was you know she read the article and I said I I I just read this I want you to read it and tell me what you think and and she was saying that you know the the author of the article talks uh, I think it's a little a little literal and I think that's part of the pushback that some people feel is this idea that like fiction translates directly to reality and that's not exactly correct and that you know they suggest that. Um, It's your choice, basically, whether or not to remain traumatized or whether or not this sort of really shapes your life and that lots and lots of people have been through incredibly traumatic things and and gone on to, you know, lead, quote unquote, normal lives. And my friend was saying, well, right, but the author doesn't acknowledge the the value and power of community and tools of resiliency and like the ability to shift your perspective. And are there parts of your life that are kind of forcing you to relive or to stay in that space? Or do you actually have the resources to consider something different? And that's where, you know, well,
2: and I don't, you know, I, I know the audience can't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can probably see I'm having a reaction. I think part of the reaction I'm having, you know, and maybe as I say this, I'll, I'll challenge myself and back it off of bit. But part of the reaction I'm having is, When someone says you have a choice about whether or not to be traumatized. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. But what I don't think that has to be a disempowering statement, because I think what we want to look at is what traumatized means. Yeah. If traumatized means. I'm a victim, and a terrible thing happened, and I'm damaged and broken and hurt, and I'll never. I've just lost. Then, yeah, that's bleak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. no, that's yes. not that's not one of those words you probably throw in your top three adjectives to describe yourself of like aspirationally who you want to be. Yeah. If trauma and traumatized means something terrible happened in my life. And I survived it and I overcame it and I took the reins and I made meaning out of that. It's kind of like, I took a shitty thing that happened and I made that my bitch. Like I made that like my thing. I'm driving that. I decide what it means. I decide the power of it, like how I'm going to use it. But that's a really different, then shoot, go ahead and go like, hey, guess what? I'm traumatized. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. That's a different use of the word. And so that's me is where I think we go astray is that it's it's, and again, to me, it's a little bit based in this Western- Lens Like the reality is, it's like, I really love, I don't love war. Cause I'm definitely like, uh, not into conflict and violence and, but the word warrior, I love mm-hmm. the idea yeah. of strength and the association of having dealing and coping as warrior work. That that's what's brave. That's what takes courage is to go forward, to make yeah. the meaning of it, to like accept it, to yeah. like absorb that.
0: Integrate it. and
2: Integrate it. Yeah. But, but where yeah. it doesn't have power over you, you use that experience.
0: Well, and this is, yet again, we come back to this, the it's not an inability. I think it's an unwillingness and a lack of awareness about the importance and value of embracing the truth of nuance. And I feel like this is one of the (laughs) things that I love about the conversations we have in our community is that, so we are clearly of many different minds about this article about trauma. And certainly I think there's a pretty good bit of self-awareness about how our own experience of trauma is informing how we are and are not pushed by this article, right? So, but that It is, it is complex. So one really interesting part where they talk about, you know, that victims of childhood sexual abuse, the trauma kind of comes later when they realize that that was like not what was supposed to happen with a person who was trusting them. I mean, sometimes it's violent and it's certainly traumatic when it happens, but that what, what could we learn by making space for how did culture inform how traumatizing this was and how important is framing in our understanding of, wow, that shouldn't have happened. And like, what's my job now? And mm-hmm. where does forgiveness come in? And that that is one of the tasks of the warrior is that I think the my, I share your resistance to the kind of war that I'll say is very Western, but that, when I think of like the peaceful warrior or like, you know, the the bodhicitta, that sort of like tender, mm-hmm. exactly. like exactly. it's about the vulnerability and about the like, That's wow, like it. that almost broke me. And like, let me see which of these pieces I even want to pick up and let me like do that slowly. And, and that it's not about, you know, to go back to the COVID metaphor, like getting back to normal, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to build a new thing. Cause this yeah. got busted.
2: And- no, that's, yeah, yeah, that's very well said. So well,
0: normal was terrible.
2: Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that you know we're very focused, especially in the United States, on individuals, right? So we're looking at the context whether it's we're talking about trauma, right, or we're talking about like you know, emotional experiences or crisis or what, whatever, whatever right. all these various things are, right? Yeah. We often are putting these things in the context, suffering, we're putting it in the context of individuals, right? So you have right. these things, you have these experiences. And so therefore, what are you going to do to overcome them or do this thing? And I think what we're missing is our responsibility to one another. And oh, totally. the Go power ahead. in all of this is, a, I believe it's about generating empathy. Yeah. And so the reality is, is like, there are all kinds of traumatic forms of suffering that I, because of a privileged position that I just was born into will likely never, no, not even likely will never suffer. right? Right. Right. And so, but it doesn't mean that someone who is suffering that is stuck alone or only among people like the only people who will ever understand you or people who go that, through that exact same experience. Yeah. The reality. is, And this links back to the metaphors, right? You know, Rebecca, in your example, you took an example of somebody who is in a cultural context. You couldn't relate to. I don't right. know what that's like. I don't know what that feels like. I didn't grow up there. I don't have those reference points. I don't have that association. Right. Right. And your friend, Flipped it and gave it to you, fed it back to you. The same feeling, that his mm-hmm. feeling in a context that you could relate to. Right. That's and what then- the story did.
1: Yeah. And then suddenly we're connected in a deeper way.
2: Right. And And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get how you feel then. So you don't have to have had the experience or lived in Georgia to know that issue, right? Right. Like you all of a sudden have a little bit more understanding and empathy, even though you didn't live it. And so that's I think when we can, as humans, start to rely more heavily on what connects us, what generates empathy. I believe stories, metaphors, the things that like are just, basic yes. foundational things about being human right yeah. our emotions our human shared experiences those things i think are what connect us and that yeah in understanding and empathy
1: well this and this reminds me of like the the power of storytelling and community building as a healing mechanism right um for for individual and community healing like a a couple of years ago i went to rwanda um and just for a cultural exchange kind of thing and I had the chance to go to the genocide museum and, and kind of talk to people about about how this country has is in the process of healing from a like traumatic event that affected every human being who lives there mm-hmm. um and one of the things they did was they brought back oh i don't remember what it's called but there's a, a traditional practice where if someone has done wrong to someone else the entire community comes and sits in a circle and the person who has been wronged gets up and tells the story with the person who has wronged them is right there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like that power of sharing story. Yeah. And I, I think there's something about, first of all, sharing story so that it doesn't like live inside yourself and eat you up, you know, which is, it's kind of the, the direction that I think a lot of Americans feel like is the right direction. Um, but sharing the story, in a way that is also not that's just about telling the truth you know mm-hmm. it's not yeah. about shaming your neighbor it's just about this is what was done to me
2: mm-hmm. by
1: you it's in the interest of connection yeah, it's in the interest yeah. Of community
2: yeah 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 and no, the I healing that, of that was yeah i, I think that's right Um, And I think like, it, it makes me think back to the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about like the pandemic was isolating us, right? The pandemic divides us from one another, like quite literally we're locked in our homes, right? But it's not the only thing that's dividing us, right? Like there's all kinds of like fucked up politics that are dividing us. There's, you know, the racial reckoning that's, that, you know, that's, that's dividing us and white supremacy that's dividing us, you know, there's, you know, class and caste, that's dividing us. Like there's all kinds of stuff that's dividing us. And I think any efforts or tools we use that are about connection is, re- is actually a radical action. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I scurried off because I'm reading um, Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. Yes, nice. yes. And, and when you guys were talking, I was thinking about this, this thing that we do that that feels sort of default and maybe even like limbic and amygdalic uh, that we connect through our suffering. And um, she does an interview in the book um, and she says, um, Adrian Marie Brown, the author says, there's this concept of suffering central to so many of us as whatever, activists, organizers, anyone trying to change the world. So much of how we get pulled into community and kept in community is a solidarity built around suffering, which is not liberatory. That's just not it, it's not us. The suffering is not what we're called to attend to. That's happening all the time. What does it mean to transcend the suffering and make it so that I can't settle for this? The way we feel our existence, we're not meant to suffer alone. We're meant to experience pleasure and togetherness. And I I feel like- it feels so obvious to me and it, and it makes, you know, it makes me think about like the two books that you have shared with the world, um, bless you for that, are so important because what I know that I find myself doing is when I see a friend in crisis and I know that what I would rely on or what I imagine I would rely on if I were in their situation is so often things I've learned from experiences or much longer books that had time to percolate and like, cultivate deeper practices within me. And so if you're suffering, and I give you, you know, the grace in dying, and I'm like, this is really going to help you. No, it's not going to help you because you don't have the resources to really like be in this place. And, and I feel the same way about like, this idea of suffering or moving past suffering as liberatory that you can't just skip it. It's not like you just decide to not suffer, but there's more to our connection than the suffering. Like that's the entry point, but then inside is this much bigger. Deeper
2: in that, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of amazing treasures in that experience. Exactly. Yeah, but you
0: got to keep walking. You gotta, you know.
2: (laughs) And that's where that's where too. I think humor comes in for me. Yeah. Is I think that we are so, especially in my field, we are so focused on like sadness and anxiety and grief and suffering yes. sometimes I'll have clients and they'll say like oh I had this session I almost canceled it because nothing went bad this week It's <laughs> like oh god oh god so just, like it is about like supporting one another in our lives and yes. joy and pleasure and humor and play those are all in there too and yeah. so in in both books I try I mean in the crisis plan it's so brief and like so sort of zeroed in um there's not a ton of space for like humor. I didn't fill it up with New Yorker cartoons, you know, in there. Um, but it, but when rabbits spill their tea, there's a lot of humor in it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Overt and and, and subversive.
2: Yeah, yes. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah, exactly because it is about play and imagination and connection and absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Rebecca, are there burning questions that you want to ask Jen as we uh, Um, end of our time?
1: I have been fed a question by our operations director. Oh, excellent. I
0: got that question, too. You should definitely ask it. Um, I am I am supposed to ask you, Jen, about the worst massage experience ever. It's
2: a new thing we're going to start inviting our guests
0: to uh, explore.
2: The worst massage experience ever. Um, I have I have unfortunately have not had a super ton of massage experiences um the worst massage I guess it was just uh having an experience where I didn't feel like I was getting listened to like where somebody would say what are you needing and I would say well there's tension up here and in my shoulders and they would go okay and then just not do that (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I think just not having my voice heard or not feeling like someone was actually listening or attuned. That probably is pretty common. Oh, so you
0: had a real common massage experience. Yes.
2: I I wish I had a really juicy one, but I think I don't have enough experiences racked up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's, it's telling that you notice that Cause um, I, I think a lot of clients probably are like, oh, I guess they know better than I do. That's
2: how it goes. That's right. how it's supposed to be. Totally. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So what, what gems did you not share with us, Jen? Is there anything that you want to impart uh, upon our listeners before we close out today? No, I
2: would, I, I think I just want to thank you because I feel like, um, you know, I'm human as we all are. And I think it's really easy to lose steam. Um, and when I'm having this conversation with you guys, like I know, just like man, my energy just shot through the roof. Like I just feel like there's like I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like let's go. <laughs> God damn, you're smart, Brandle. Like, <laughs> let's get something right. Like, um, totally. And so, so I, it, it really, and and again, I think it just relates so much to all the stuff we've been talking about about the ways we feed each other. Like, yeah. man, the just a conversation. It's just I feel connected and I feel reminded, and it just bolsters that sense of of like um, where we're where our humanity is, and that we're yeah. we we're we are, we are all together in it. Um, so I really I will thank you both so much for that
0: uh, well it was it was a treat uh, to have you with us and uh, I just want to keep talking with you uh, but we have <laughs> to let to people come go back. back to their lives excellent uh, <laughs> yes thank you all for being with us for another episode of interdisciplinary the show where we try to lift each other up and uh, make the world a better place make sure to check out our patreon.com backslash forward slash backslash right it's a backslash. Uh, it's a the slashy right. thing. You know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then the word interdisciplinary after that. So patreon.com. Can I, yeah. Cal,
2: can I just throw in there just real quick? Cause I wanted to mention if people are interested in when rabbits spill their tea. Yeah. Um, if there are listeners specifically through heal um, mm-hmm. that if they, if they, contact either me which i don't know if you want to share my email or if they contact you and say uh-huh. i'd like a copy of that book i'm yeah. happy to offer listeners 20 percent off of the awesome book cover,
0: right oh that's thank you <laughs> if that's
2: you. an if that if that is a helpful thing I, the more people who can have you guys these it's such
0: a good book you you so, should get it yes i uh, just want to mention totally that. get it that's awesome thank, thank you. you thank you um, and we'll put that, we'll put all that junk in the show notes people. So you can hunt us down or Jen and, uh, and get a copy of that for yourself. Cause it's real good stuff. And, um, you know, come to our classes, come to our community, keep listening and, uh, keep doing what you do. We love you. Mwah!
1: interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. our theme music is by harry pickens new episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at org. that's podcast at org. thanks for listening